some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a bloody favorite. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to the Cathedral Ward. Uh, Dave was uh, not able to join us for the rest of this uh, recording session, but we really appreciate him joining us for the main episode. Go listen to that. It was a good time. Yeah, it was a good time, and you should definitely support Dave and check out his stuff on the internet because he's uh, very generous and very uh, very insightful. Um, yeah, so we have a little bit of follow-up just starting out. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. With uh, Robert, who says via contact, uh, the barrels have chains on them as well. Why? No, I don't care. Stop it with the chains. <laughs> like, he found a real loophole in chain gate. Like, yes, he did. Oh, man. Um, the coffin I, gate. Coffin gate, yeah. The, Ca- uh, well, okay, no. Like If you call them casks, and if you call it casket gate, it still counts. Yeah, exactly. The, the reason why the barrels have chains on them is because there are people in those as well. <laughs> yep. It's like that urban legend about the person who was in the barrel of rum that turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. How do you feel about man-sized jars? Yeah. Um, good. <laughs> good about them. <laughs> well, why don't you take Scott? Um, yeah, I'll also take Scott. Scott says, Erden is pronounced Erden because it's using the German umlaut O-E sound, usually represented by an O with an umlaut over it. Mm-hmm. The sound er is a loose approximation of the O with an umlaut sound. The word Erden in German is an inf- uh, inflected form of the adjective Erd, which means desolate. Which is super cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. We had a handful Especially, of people. Good. I was just going to say, like, when we learn more about Erden, like we talked a little about in the last episode, mm-hmm. he's this blood god, but there's a reason why he's formless Erden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we get that kind of thing, like him being desolate, also kind of plays in the theming of the fact that like one of the things about him is that he doesn't really have a body. Right. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We had a handful, handful of people write in with this. I, I super love the linguistic stuff when people, when people write in with alternate meetings and with uh, uh, explanations for the interpretation. And I'm sorry of us speaking, <laughs> uh, pronouncing it weird uh, was any kind of uh, uh slight. Yeah. And also thank you for writing in, even if we didn't read your specific comment Yes, about correcting it. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for letting us know. Yeah. Uh, so Blaze writes in via contact saying, I just wanted to write in to let you guys know that there's a very easy way to avoid the whole issue of getting killed while using antidotes during the Bloodstar Beast fight. Um, I didn't think to write it initially, but after listening to the appendix and hearing your criticism of the criticisms of the boss in relation to other people's opinions, I was surprised and I was further surprised to find that no one brought up this simple trick that makes the fight much more manageable. I had figured out that this was common knowledge at this point. Sorry, I had figured that this was common knowledge at this point, uh, but if you just throw a pungent blood cocktail away from you, uh, the beast will go charging after it, blood starved and all that, which gives you ample room to heal slash antidote slash whatever. And even if that doesn't work out uh, for you, you can uh, you also have the option of summoning Alfred uh, to uh, take a lot of the aggro off of you. Um, and that's pretty much the uh, the gist of what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The um, yeah, a couple of people wrote in with mm-hmm. the uh, blood starved uh, pungent blood cocktail. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't mention that. I knew that, though. I just didn't talk about it. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why it wasn't a viable strategy for me is because the first like fourth of this game, I spent destitute mm-hmm. like a couple of bad boss fights and having to do these like runs for, for blood vials. I was putting all my money in blood vials mm-hmm. and didn't have a lot of consumables and doing like a, a farming run to get money for these, even though they're not the most expensive thing in the world um, was kind of odious to me yeah even though like 
You mean it would have made things. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it would have been urdiest to me. Um, the uh, yeah. So I knew that. I don't know why I didn't bring it yeah. up. I didn't um, know it, and I, like an idiot, said, "Huh, I wonder why his blood starved." Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But well, that's still that. That's why he like. Yeah. That's not why. I, it's not causality. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not it's not negative causality yeah. yeah but um but but yeah i i also didn't have that much trouble with him i was more speaking about that problem uh, of knowing when to antidote uh just in the in the abstract yeah yeah so that that is that is a good tip though yeah if you have some of those uh those pungent blood cocktails mm-hmm. floating around in your inventory they yeah. will help with them i don't think they trivialize the fight no like even if you send throw one and then you go up and attack them they don't last mm-hmm. very long yeah. Like it just gives you a moment's breath. And I know we mentioned summoning Alfred for that. that yeah. <laughs> and mentioned how he's useless. Yeah. Relatively. I mean, but he is useful to take a little bit of that aggro off. Yeah. Give you a little yeah. bit of breathing room. Yeah. Also, yeah. I forget that items exist. So, yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I love that this guy's name is Blaze. I met a Blaze at school and it was spelled the same way. I wonder if this is the same Blaze. Hmm. And he was much younger than me. And I kept talking about his parents being American gladiators. <laughs> and he didn't get it. Like he, like it was, he was too young for it. <laughs> he, just, he stopped the conversation and said, out of the way, old man. Yeah. They, well, man, check this out. Also, I was at a coffee shop and uh, let me see if I can remember what it is. No, it is. So I, I was talking to a guy and he looked, um, he had like a mohawk and, and jean jacket and all these tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, and I, I ordered coffee from him and he's like, yeah. Talon will be Talon will be here with that coffee in just a moment, and and I was like Talon, excuse me. He's like, yeah, that's them. And he jerked a thumb back, and there's a there's a guy in back who like looked the same way, whose name was Talon. And I was just like, what is going on at this coffee shop? No, like, I, I would expect the, you know, where I thought that story was going was that Talon was going to look totally normal, like he was dressed biz cash, like he had Dockers oh, yeah. and a polo shirt on. It's a real it's a real flippy hand bone situation. What's up with this this like Mad Max themed like coffee shop? Yeah, it's fucking Portland. Like, so. This is spider and we're here to, to make God. you a latte. Yeah, and and if if my experience is correct, uh no matter how they looked, they were the nicest people you've ever met. Um it's okay. <laughs> well no. Just, it's it's my closest I'm, coffee shop, I think. Yeah. Guys I'm I make I'm making a comment about Portland baristas who have oh, all sure. been universally delightful to me. So yeah, the people in Portland are like actually really, really nice. Like mm-hmm. it's a true thing. But this guy, like he's fine. I guess my, my, my niceness quote, like tolerance is just up to where like, he didn't give me 20 bucks. Um, not that nice. Um, so uh, thank you, Blaze. Uh, Robert says via contact. You guys seem a little confused about how Jira works. You don't need to avoid old Yarnum if you want to talk to him later. Just don't kill him. And as long as you come in through the back, he won't remember ever shooting at you. This doesn't really make sense, so it's an understandable mistake, but it's not as hard to get that gesture as you think. Yeah, you know, it's just a matter of us not 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 covering every single permutation of that. Honestly, yeah. like it, I don't remember us ever ever explicitly saying if he if he ever aggro's you, um, then you can never get his thing. It's just a matter of I think it's still relatively unintuitive compared to compared to what it possibly could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I also think it's unintuitive, but even Robert, like, mm-hmm. you know, mentions that it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. Um, which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for uh, pointing that out. Yeah, thank you. Because that's good to know. And there are probably people who are more hardcore collectors than us who are probably really thankful for that information because yeah. they need that gesture. <laughs> it's a pretty good gesture, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, BJ writes in with our final piece of follow up uh, via the contact forum saying, gotta disagree with the discussion about arcane or blood tinge for that matter. Uh, those builds not being viable or worth it, if only because I don't want anyone to be discouraged to try it. 
My first run was an arcane build with Ludwig's Holy Blade, and it was awesome. Admittedly, some of the spells are not as powerful as they probably should be, and some are very late game, but you can uh, get a few very useful ones quite early. Really, it comes down to this. Why would you not want to be able to shoot tentacles out of your arm? Uh, so one of the things about this, so I, you know, I wasn't bad-mouthing arcane out of, like, I, I did it. I did, mm -hmm. I beat the game with an arcane build, so, like, I also tried to do it and found it like a little wanting, like it mm -hmm. wasn't just, you know, uh, an uninformed opinion, but like all of this is academic because it doesn't matter now because they've buffed mm -hmm. all the hunter's tools. Yeah. So those spells, and that was the main thing I was talking about. I wasn't complaining about arcane scaling weapons, even mm -hmm. though I was using um, the weapons you get for Mylene, which do scale with arcane, I believe. Yeah. Um, the uh, So I was using an arcane scaling weapon. It just wasn't very powerful mm -hmm. uh, in my experience. Yeah. So... But I mean, I haven't tried it with the new new things. And then mm -hmm. also the fact that like if you're used to being able to do damage through spells, you don't get any heavy hitting damage spells for a very long time. And you just get utility spells for quite a while. And even that tentacle out of your arm thing is just a knockdown yeah. attack. Like it does a pittance of damage. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. it's very cool. It's useful to be able to knock things down from a distance. But if they dodge, you're wide open and you get like I love the way it looks. Yeah. The, that auger of Abritus like. Yeah. That that it's one of my favorite looking attacks in any Souls games, but mm -hmm. like it, it it I didn't find it that useful in most situations. Yeah, I mean I think for me my my complaint still kind of stems from like to be really really viable by putting those by by putting your your points there, um, especially early on. At least in previous Souls games, like making an intelligence build was was useful right away. I think that I think that it still remains like I'm going to do this on my second playthrough kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter how much they buff it, it doesn't change that. You know, um, you you would be better served by putting those points in to, into different things early on. It just makes the the early game so difficult. Yeah. You know, so like even if it does, even if pre patch, like and if BJ's right, like mm -hmm. and it is viable and cool, like it doesn't become cool for a while. So like it does seem like something and you shouldn't yeah. put off. I would never discourage somebody from trying something. It's just a matter of are you going to fall into a trap. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Like a lot of the things that we, when we give that kind of advice, we are giving advice for the first time you play through. Because mm -hmm. the second time, who gives a shit? Like do whatever you want. Like do, you know, do do an all fist run. Do a mm -hmm. do an all Molotov cocktail run. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. It's your second play through the game. And even the very structure of the show that we do is presuming that somebody is doing the, the, this, yeah. no, this is their first playthrough. Yeah, we're really, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's that's probably more what it is, uh, is about. So yeah. uh, moving on to responses to this area. Um, I'll get us started with it real quick. Uh, Kenny Six says, RIP Flory. Um, so uh, he says that, I think in response to the person who talked about killing, mm -hmm. no, yeah, this, yeah. this was just the first response we got. Oh, wow. After this next thing, which I also read. Yep. Um, so Doug says via contact, and they'll give that a little context possibly. Um, so I immediately killed the cathedral dweller and I have to vent as somebody who is new to the series up to this point in the game, uh, up to this point in the game, I had been brutally taught two things. NPCs are invisible things that live behind windows <laughs> and everything else is trying to kill you. Then I enter the cathedral, fresh off the Gascoigne fight, and this bedraggled monster makes a move towards me. So I <laughs> slash it, along with 90% of the other quest lines. Uh, I totally get the idea that uh, making a mistake like that might cost me, but with virtually all the interesting content running through this guy, it seems a little unfair to have cost me so much of the game on my first playthrough for an honest mistake that the game lured me into. I freaking love this game, but come on. Can't we have uh, have him respawn along with everyone else? I'm sorry so. I laughed. Like, I totally agree. <laughs> like, you know, if you haven't played Dark Souls, you don't understand that something that you can't target and also doesn't run toward you is not aggressive. Yeah. 
I would, but I also think that it's possible that Doug's overstating how much of this that's cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, something I, I meant to ask Dave about in Fred, I wanted to get his take on this, and I'll ask your take on it too. But mm-hmm. like, how you think, what you feel about how this game uh, handles NPCs and NPC quest lines as compared to later or earlier ones in the series, because mm-hmm. with the exception of two, like they're pretty anemic. Yeah. Like, there's not much. Like, we talk about the old lady and the old man, and uh, and Ariana and stuff, and there are quest lines to them. Mm-hmm. But they are not nearly as robust as what we yeah. found in Dark Souls One. And the more I think about it, like Dark Souls One is the the outlier. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't that much in Demon Souls. There's not that much in Dark Souls Two. And it makes me think that like From has decided that that kind of quest style is a mistake, and not to do it, which is a bummer. Yeah, I think that I have a lot of goodwill towards the NPCs in this game because there are so many of them that that are like the the party that you can't interrupt of all the revelers. You know, doing this like that's not a quest. Right. But yeah. it's still, you know, somebody that you interact with who gives you information and details about the world. Um, I really like the 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 Ariana versus uh, Adele. <laughs> What's the yeah. other one? Adela, Adela, you know, quest or, you know, like the like the way things kind of like uh, kind of articulate with especially the guy you find in the Forbidden Woods like that. That brings in enough of that, like mystery, like how are these people going going to interact when they get in the same place? I think that's cool. Um, but you know, the fact that they don't have anything that is quite as satisfying, you know what, <laughs> we can't talk about Alfred. So I can't say whether or not anything is as satisfying as, uh, as, as, a uh, Sigmire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it is, it is more like, I just like killing the cathedral dweller does cut you off from some content, but not so much that you couldn't be served by watching like a YouTube of that dialogue. Right. You know, like it's not, it's not that significant. Yeah. It's significant, mm-hmm. but not as significant as the other you know, major kind of NPCs yeah. like, like being cut off from like, from, from Alfred, mm-hmm. which like without saying anything more, like that would be a big, bigger deal. Yes, it would. And yeah. so like, like killing this guy cuts you off, off from some very, you know, low cost, uh, some very low cost sedatives. Uh, and it cuts you off from a back door around the end game items that you need to get the right. Ending, yes. Yeah. Right? If you fuck up something like there's, there's, you know, one tiny contingency plan to get mm-hmm. the, the correct ending. And yeah. this this is one of them. Yeah. So, so. it's it's still a you know it's a tragedy that you can't get that perspective on the world, which I think the NPCs really bring to these games, and you know was one thing that I thought was lacking from Dark Souls too. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's 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 not quite the catastrophe I think um, that one yeah. would initially think before they knew the full scope yeah. of the way these things kind of bore out, which doesn't mean totally. it's not, so not, not, not 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 disappointing. Yeah, I'm not trying to say this to minimize your mm-hmm. your struggle. I'm saying that like if this is something that is weighing on you, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like it'll be all right. You're all right. Yeah, you're all right. And not just <laughs> in the way that like we're all all right because it's a video game yeah. and it doesn't matter <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Like it is, you'll be all right because it's not as much content as it maybe initially looks. Like if you look mm-hmm. at the NPC list and you're like, oh shit, yeah. like, there's like four NPCs here I'm not going to be able to do anything with. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, two of them, two of them kind are of barely aren't. stories. Yeah. Yeah, and and then two of the other two are kind of one story together. Yeah. That's maybe two thirds of a proper NPC story in a regular Souls game. Right. The so. one the one regular Souls game that they, that exists. Yeah. Or even like <laughs> even like Alfred. Yeah. Like it's like two thirds of that value. Mm-hmm. So is what you're really missing. Yeah. Um. But still, you know, still useful. Mm-hmm. Still, still viable. 
Yeah. Uh, so Matt writes in via contact saying, since the Cathedral Ward was the first area where we encounter Frenzy, I'm curious what your thoughts were on this as a game mechanic. When That's I great. first... <laughs> I love it. Totally <laughs> yeah. makes it for me. Um, <laughs> sanity Systems plus one. Um, yeah. When I first ran into the Y-shaped cross dudes in front of the, uh, of the Cathedral and an unknown meter started filling up uh, when they were hitting me in the face, I panicked and bolted. Having already run into poison with the blood-starved beast, I figured this new symbol is Bloodborne's versions of Dark Souls 1's curse, and I have enough bad memories of the depths that I knew I wanted uh, to get out of there. Eventually, I figured out what Frenzy really was, and it didn't seem as terrifying as Dark Souls 1's curse, though it does fill a similar role. Is this a good replacement slash evolution of the Dark Souls 1 curse slash Dark Souls 2 Petrify? No. No, it's not. Um, I love Dark Souls 1 curse. It's great. Yeah, I think curse is really cool. And the the difference being like, that's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it is more like just like bleed on, you know, bleed, like really pumped up bleed Mm -hmm. as a replacement for that. But like a replacement for curse because curse is deadly, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is more or less deadly. Um, It just needs to not fill up when you're not being hit like that. That's an inexcusable thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and makes it bad because like in the fun thing about dealing with the basilisks and stuff in the depths is like it's there's a clear sign there's a clear marker of like when you're in trouble mm-hmm. like not only do you get the warning statues they run into but it's like oh shit i'm in this fog and a meter's filling up slowly yeah i have time to get out of this fog this happens instantly upon hit mm-hmm. you don't know that an enemy is going to cause this based on their weapon yeah and it increases so quickly yeah. and continues to climb after you get hit mm-hmm. you know so there's just no way to react to it and, and you know like if this was used judiciously like curse was then it wouldn't be a problem but it's used like with such profligance later that like just yeah. that, like there, there there's no like the, the, they don't conserve it at all and like the problem for me like the reason why i like curse like i would never say that it is a a kind mechanic but mm-hmm. getting cursed actually introduces like this weird side quest yeah, <laughs> you know, which like it's unintuitive the way that, you know, like, <laughs> the way that you actually do that side quest. But it's still like says you need to go deal with this in whatever way, you know, in whatever way you can. Yeah, because it has that permanence. And like mm-hmm. I get what 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 the uh, what Matt's saying by saying that, like, it is it's meant to inspire terror. Like it's supposed to have the same gravity mm-hmm. as curse. But I just don't think it's it's as well implemented. And then also just the thematic thing is like a, as a huge fan of insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, in fiction and as a mechanic, like it just doesn't do enough for me right. if that's what it's supposed to represent. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, not into it. Um, yeah. I mean, if, and not if you're into it, great, mm-hmm. but I, I, that's the, that's the bonfire side chat position. Yeah. It, feel, um, it feels like a wrinkle and it feels like something that would have been balanced a little bit better. Me too. And still could be mm-hmm. like people could listen to this show in, in, you know, three years when like bloodborne Rondo of the night, <laughs> sanguine yeah. nurse yeah. uh you know <laughs> comes out and be like why are these guys complaining about frenzy yeah you know all it does is you know change your hud display yeah you know like it could totally change and we just don't don't know but as of now i think it's pretty perfect. as of 8 19 p.m eastern time on june the 4th this is the way that we feel yeah 2015 <laughs> and, and, um, and i will tell you at 8 20 how we feel as well yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so robin says via contact uh, this is the area where the game Oh, it's 820. I still feel shitty about Curse. Although I, I like that the icon looks like the Crimson King eye from uh, from the Dark Tower. Continue on. Oh, sorry. yeah. No. Um, I apologize. Don't apologize <laughs> to me. I apologize to Robin. Um, Robin says via contact. This is the area where the game started to mess with my head. I became aware that Insight was changing things up. 
I started to get seriously paranoid. Those spears the peanut-headed statues were holding, weren't they pointing down before? Was this gate open or closed before? Does this door even open? Was it open before? Why is that super rude dude I sent to Yosefka sitting in this area? Did I choose the wrong option? <laughs> ah, time to roll a real-world sanity check with a D10. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like this area is confusing enough that you might forget the decisions you made. Yeah, and a sanity check on a D10. That's not, that's how you do a sanity check. The, uh, <laughs> that's not some kind of weird uh, Call of Cthulhu like non D twenty level thing. No, it's just not. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing Call of Cthulhu in D twenty, it's you roll D twenty because you roll well, D twenty for everything. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, but uh, Call of Cthulhu uses a D hundred hmm. uh, for all. It does percentages for all. Is that, that like stuff. the dice from Scattergories? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just use you know percentage dice. Yeah, I know. They, you just you roll two D tens. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, maybe they got rid of those in third edition. No, I just, but I, but I know that if you, or if you're trying to roll that, you just roll two d tens, yeah. and one is the like the different color, but one is the you know primary well, you, digit. Like, so. Typically, they'll have like an extra, like it'll say 10, 20, 30, 40, okay. 50. Like, there's actually a d d one hundred or a d ten digit dice. Yeah. So hmm. I never, I never had the equipment for it because you know third edition on didn't really. Use yeah, that, I didn't but, need them. Yeah. But I, but I knew if I needed to for some weird rule set, that's what it was. Yeah. And and dice sets come with them. Oh yeah. So but yeah, this this area does start fucking with the head game, like bringing the head games, which makes sense because this is where it's gonna the start of the the seeds are planted <laughs> for that tonal shift. Yep. Even though like we're gonna go to Carnal Lane, which is still spooky haunted house town. Yep. Yeah. But in a very sad God, I love Carnal Lane. I love it too, man. Like I like it is. It's probably my favorite uh, standalone level. Mm-hmm. in the game oh, up really? until you find Kanehurst. yeah i was gonna say like, like, I, was, like, yeah, like, like I, I ain't gonna have someone throw shade at Kanehurst. <laughs> no no i was i was way i was just like oh this is awesome like this uh-huh. is a really cool like little standalone thing and then it leads into like <laughs> the, 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 my actual favorite like yeah. i'm like oh shit it just keeps giving <laughs> um because I, I i love Kanehurst. yeah um so Kanehurst, my favorite even though like upper upper ward is really really <laughs> strong too those are probably my three favorite like yeah Colonel Lane Upper Ward and uh and Kanehurst. I think in my effort to pronounce Hemick the way I think Hemick is pronounced instead of Hemwick, um, I'm I'm unintentionally saying Charnel wrong. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I should say it Hemick Charnel Lane. There we go. Yeah. Even though like I've I've heard like Hemwick as well as a thing. Yeah. Like like well, because there's like witches of Eastwick, and oh, yeah. that's not pronounced witches of Eastwick, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do Wick and have it actually be Wick. Yeah. So Hmm. Anyway, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's Hemwick or or Hemick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if only somebody in the game would say it, <laughs> but they don't. Uh, Hugh writes in via contact saying a quirk of the giants I only knew I only noticed when a YouTuber ENB probably pointed it out is that after uh, especially heavy attacks their shin bone pokes up uh, out of their knee if you can hit it they collapse and can be visceral attacked at first I thought it was just a matter of damaging the legs enough uh, as I was using the long axes L2 sweeps. Uh, the mix of targetable and non-targetable, non-targetable locations in this game is interesting. Compare Amelia to the Cleric Beast's targetable head. Also, the unta- the, the unnamed question mark host of Odin Chapel, Odin Chapel rather, uh, went unnoticed by me for a very long time for one simple and mildly frustrating reason. After the cutscene of opening the doors, you are put standing past him, having almost no reason to come through that way again or walk past a lamp back towards the uh, back from the cathedral ward. Um, I didn't know he was there for quite a while. I missed him as well. Yeah. So that's that's a uh, you know we we talked about that so minor design don't feel flaw. Too bad about that. Yeah. I need to look up that shin poking thing though. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
that's really cool like i that's really gross and, and gruesome yeah i love the idea of this thing transforming beyond where it's like frame is tenable and yeah. exposed like oh god the idea of exposed bone just really upsets me yeah me too happens I every day long. happens every yeah. day gary yeah it's happening right now <laughs> like like pretty much any terrible thing you can think of happening to a human body even way more darker and more torturous things mm-hmm. are happening to somebody right now so like, it's not a fun thing to think about but somebody is being skinned alive right now like it's not great but it's 100 percent happening you know you know what's funny like when i have those moments like I, I try and take a mental population check of how like how many of x number of things are happening in the world around me like my immediate thought is how many people are fucking right now like oh, just having sure. the best, like the best sex of their life, or how many people are like getting a promotion or are having a, like a proposal accepted. Like my immediate, like when I feel terrible, I I start thinking, I wonder like how many people are just having a much better day than I am right now. Well, that's pretty cool because mine's probably coming down the line anyway. Typically, I think about how many people are being skinned alive. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's why we make a good pair. <laughs> yeah, and, that, that, and and and, I, and even when I don't want to think about it, that's what I'm so. Yeah, or being set on fire, um, you know, yeah. having something crammed under their fingernails. Or... Oh, God, Gary, you're killing yeah. me. You're killing... Yeah, it's awful, but I mean, it's just, it's it's happening. We live in a terrible world. I, I know we um, do. Yeah. Why doesn't the news ever show good things? Um, <laughs> why doesn't someone do something about all the problems? Um, I don't expect the news to cover the good stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know. Anywho, um briefly after that brief spot of fun in um, (laughs) Sean Wagner says uh, via Facebook if Bloodborne was draped over Dark Souls I think the Erden Chapel would be Firelink Shrine is the only place where NPCs truly collect and the Cathedral Ward is as close to a central hub as you get within the world I like that the centrality of the Cathedral Ward spatially matches the narrative centrality of the Healing Church Uh, that being said I can't say that I enjoy the act of playing through this area there are moments I enjoyed, such as being killed by a sack bro, but that's a story for another time, the magical ball of cosmic energy murdering me, the brain sucker lobotomizing me, as well as moments where I actually killed things. <laughs> um, there are some nice vistas, though I think it felt a, I felt a bit of the fatigue with the urban landscape at this point, and a load of NPCs to find, and the area ends in a boss that was both, ama- both amazingly frustrating to bash my head against and f- uh, fulfilling to finally beat. And he misspells that fur filling. And the only reason why I say that is because it sounds like a cl- clever pun. Mm-hmm. And someone pointed out on Facebook. Yeah. I was like, oh, fur filling. <laughs> and also I didn't have Amelia's time to correct it. So. <laughs> no, no. It's it, because people, I'm not making fun of <laughs> John for saying that. But, uh, yeah. you know, it sounds like a fun pun for Amelia. <laughs> um, I think describing this area as a series of moments is the most objective way to explain why I have trouble forming a cohesive subjective thesis on the area. In contrast to old Yarnum, which feels like narrative and level design flow alongside with one another, the Cathedral Ward lacks any real narrative impact for me. It is a series of good moments that, with a lack of connective narrative tissue, feels less than the sum of its parts. Perhaps this is because the Cathedral Ward and the Healing Church are such a central figure in the overall, uh, overall story compared to old Yarnum, which is telling more of a contained tale. But when I task myself with forming an opinion on the area, it just kind of comes up lacking. Yeah. Yeah, I can I mean I could see it. Like mm-hmm. to me, it is a it is a fulcrum on which the greater story bends more than an area that tells its own story. Yeah. Um, but when you, and what you're picking up on, and I can't remember, um, Sean Wagner is also the lore hunter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm, you're picking up on where you're saying like it's not its own self-contained story, like that's the kind of thing that we were talking sugar about for dark souls too. Like a lot of the time, like that kind of that disconnect that makes it hard to love a thing in part of the greater whole. Mm -hmm. 
but it being a little short story, like that can be immensely satisfying. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what I think you're picking up on. Whether you think that Dark Souls 2 did it well or not. Yeah. I think it actually did. And I think that like, I like the Cathedral Ward because of essentially the cutscene at the end. Yep. <laughs> um, that's like, that's the thing that saves this area for me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I agree with you 100%. Like yeah. it doesn't have a, a thing it's trying to do yeah. so much. It's just more urban. Yeah. Old Yarnum feels like a, feels like a Dark Souls 2 level shortcuts and verticality aside mm-hmm. to me. Um, and what I like about the Cathedral Ward, you know, is is that because it is so kind of multifaceted, you're you're naturally going to gravitate towards the path of least resistance for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find a way to get through it. And there's going to be something pretty interesting for you to, you know, to find there. And that leads to kind of a confusing experience to you know fit in your head all at once. But I think it's pretty I think it's pretty satisfying on a whole. Um, in a way yeah. that I guess a lot of people don't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm into it once you come back with 40 Insight. Yep. Like, and I'm into, <laughs> um, you know, it, like it stands in contrast to some things in really cool ways. And like mm-hmm. I said, like, this is where it starts fucking, like Robin said, it's where it starts fucking with your mind. And like, I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but as a whole, like, there's just not that much to say mm-hmm. about the, the area. And I'm glad <laughs> and we're, yeah, it was we're the biggest the episode we've done. Well, just because it's so big. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of the reason why, too, why it's so hard to talk about mm-hmm. as a whole, because it's like this is just a lot of space where a lot of it is just like stairs and buildings mm-hmm. and dudes. Yeah. Plazas, you know, like just plazas, yeah, plazas as far as I can see. Plaza after plaza. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you, Sean. Yeah. Uh, let us see here. This is it's my turn with Luke, right? Yep. Okay, so Luke writes in via contact saying, The Cathedral Ward was where my eyes first opened, not just the two on the outside, uh, to the truth of Yarnum, which is fitting given that this is the area most altered by your character's own later enlightenment. And I is spelled E-Y-E. I really I like that first subtle pun. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> real clumsy. <laughs> I mean, bold. Let's say bold instead of clumsy. Yeah, bold. Okay. I, want to be, I want to be charitable because I really liked that. he continues a stickler for spending souls i opted not to buy the gate key and explore all of the paths available to me first doing so made the journey into the cathedral ward proper feel illicit and inherently dangerous i had stumbled into something stranger than any level that had come before complete with hooded jailers mind flayers and otherworldly figures brandishing shamanistic glowing crucifixes and i had repeatedly uh, past points of no return to get there. I was no longer comfortable exploring my environment. I was no longer safe. The two moments that made the area for me, excluding Amelia, who was possibly my favorite boss in the game, sue me, Gary, uh, were small, <laughs> entirely extraneous touches. Picking up the hunter's set and hearing a strange noise trigger, rerunning the, the path to trigger it again, and seeing a strange, hostile gleam materialized. I scanned the environment for an enemy who might be attacking me from afar, and then made the maddening decision to bring myself to that brink and willingly step off, of, off into the arms of whatever waited. Though I didn't understand it at the time, I was amazed by the result. When I had uh, made it to the end of the area, spoke to the gatekeeper and saw that the, saw that he was, in fact, long dead, I had to laugh and laugh maniacally, for I had done this to myself. This is the area that broke not my patience, but my sanity. And if you're listening and you're wondering about that gatekeeper, um, he's in the vestibule of another area mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. So we didn't really talk about the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that will be when we talk about the, uh, the Forbidden Woods yes. episode. Um, but it is technically still here, I think. Mm-hmm. I hope it didn't really affect your sanity. 
Like, no, I'm, I'm sure it didn't. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. The, um, the, the parts that you talk about really liking, I also like other than Amelia. Like I also like the Bagman, and I love the, the, um, the portal thing, yep. the little, like, you know, whatever lifting you up. Those are also very, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it a density right. problem? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe like I also, and this is a side thing and I'm not going to sue you, but like <laughs> one reason why Amelia could never be my favorite boss other than the obvious ones is that like, she isn't anybody. Yeah. Like we talked about that with Bloodstar Beast and stuff. And that is something that's happening with this first part of the game that doesn't happen yeah. in the second game where like you're fighting a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. I mean, like her, that's a bummer. Her title is her story, which is upsetting. Like I, I like the emotional touches of her coveting this locket, but yeah. that's just about it. Yeah, and same thing, cleric beast. Like, what do we know about him? Well, he's a cleric. His bloodstar beast. What do we know about him? Well, he was <laughs> bloodstarved. You know, um, Father Gascoigne was very satisfying, but that's yeah. why you know he's one of my favorite bosses in the game. Where these other three, or you know, mm-hmm. that we fought out of the four that we fought so far, like kind of fall flat on me because like you know some of them can be fun fights. Yeah, there's just not that much to them. And even Rom, which we we said the name of, I won't spoil the fight or anything, but like. Rom, who I think is just as frustrating, <laughs> mm-hmm. like if not more so, like I find that fight very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I can get into because of the lore and presentation. Yeah. You know, in a way that like Amelia is presented well, but like Amelia isn't anybody, mm-hmm. you know, she's a nobody. Yeah. Who gives a shit. I mean, the, the response that I would have liked to have read is a defense for why. I mean, it doesn't have to be defensible either. Like taste is subjective, but I would love to hear why uh, uh, Amelia is your favorite. I don't know that we'd ever have a place to read it in the future, Luke. Yeah. But like just for, for our own like edification, like I, I yeah, like throw it on Facebook. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Definitely go to Facebook. I, I would love to hear why, you know, why you like that. Like, and it's not that I dislike it. It's not like, oh, prove me wrong. I, d- I just want to know like what, what stuck out for you. Where, whereas that it was, you know, frustrating and bullshit for Gary and it was kind of meh for me like yeah. why, the, why why it really kind of like stood out to you would be would be interesting yeah, yeah i'm curious too yeah. like and again it's you don't you don't owe us anything but if you want to you can um mike says via contact vicar amelia although a hard boss had one of my favorite enemy designs in the game gary's right though vicar is easily the second hardest boss for me right behind uh curtain optional white one in the orphan orphanage and mm. i still dread, dread fighting her however amelia started a new personal bloodborne tradition throwing pebbles at bosses <laughs> for some reason the fact that you're doing two damage to something that has thousands of hit points is so satisfying to me yeah so so you remember in the uh in uh the dark souls 2 season when i talked to lobus about going through and doing a complete kill run where everything that you could despawn you despawned and he just like shuddered i yeah. wonder i wonder if the full pebble run would get a like a, a similar response from him you can't you can't do that people have asked him that a thousand times have like, they? you can't okay. do a pebble run because you can only carry 20 with uh, them with you at a time. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so you can't like he's done a torch run. He's done a lot of like low damage yeah. things, but they have to be. He's done only shooting mm-hmm. um, because you can replenish that with with blood. Yeah. And with your with your life. But it has to be something you can have enough of and you can't kill anything with a pebble. I don't think 20 pebbles will kill a crow. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, that that is that is very funny. Like I like the idea of. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that boss um, that you're you're obliquely mentioning, like also very tough. <laughs> yeah get us uh let's wrap us out cool wrap us out that's an expression yeah wrap us out <laughs> so <laughs> Derek, i've always been curious um no uh derrick writes right. in via contact saying uh i've always been curious about uh when i hear about people who have problems with areas and how everyone deals with them after the initial wall that was central yarnum uh, pre-cleric beast for me um i didn't have any other big walls until a certain uh blank blank 
<laughs> um, yeah. I had no idea people needed numbing mist for Vicar. I rubbed some fire paper that the inside bath messengers gave me uh, and an ample ply, uh, an ample supply on my saw cleaver and went down went to town on almost every boss. I never used a blood cocktail, numbing mist, coins, poison daggers, etc. How liberal were you guys with your items, especially when it came to bosses? Um, it didn't always occur to me to use items on bosses. Same here. Um, I used poison daggers on levels more than anything else, but I did use those. Yeah. Um, like, like tough enemies that I just really didn't want to deal with. They got the poison daggers. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the Forbidden Woods. That was like the, uh, or no, not on the Forbidden Woods. Where am I thinking of? I know that I, I can't remember. I want to say Forbidden Woods, but I don't think you could, I don't know if you can poison those guys. Hmm. Um, those snake-headed guys are, those guys are awful. Um, and mm. I, that was something that maybe you just use regular daggers on those guys. That might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but, um, or Molotovs or something. I use consumables on those guys. Yeah. Is my point. Um, but yeah, and I, I never used coins. Um, no, yeah. you know, there are a lot of things I didn't use. Um, I never used the, uh, the rope Molotovs. Did you use yeah, those things? That, they, they just seemed like I really liked the regular Molotovs. And like, I use those, like I use them on this current playthrough, like where I'm trying to beat mm-hmm. stuff kind of expediently for the show. Um, because mm-hmm. I know they're going to be like information has come to light that fire is really effective against beasts. Yeah. You know? So like I, I pretty much always have 10 of those in stock. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is some, but yeah. mostly I didn't use them on bosses. Yeah. Um, mostly I use them just on levels. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And something that I feel like we ought to say, um, at least for the next episode, if people are playing along, um, is that uh, Hemicharnal Lane, it changes depending mm-hmm. on either how much insight you have or how much, uh, or, or what time of day it is. So defeating the, uh, defeating Vicar Amelia will advance into night, and that has some changes as well. But there are very much two kind of different versions of that level that you go through. Yeah, yeah. And it's not as big a change as the other area that has a big mm-hmm. day-night change, but it's still significant. Yeah. So... So yeah. as, as we stand on the cusp of that, like, I don't know why this shook that loose, but I feel like it's worth saying. Agreed. Um, yeah, and I think that that is it. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you so much. For, uh, yeah. Um, if you have any feedback about that specific carnal, charnel, hemic, <laughs> hemwick, uh, lane, lawn, um, hit us up at duckby.tv forward slash contact. Um, you know all the normal things to do Yeah. as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably good. Just um, about we have some it. Very, yeah, very brief deleted scenes. Very scant, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but until next time, in lieu of deleted scenes, beware the frailty of men. Their wills are weak and minds young. The uh, yeah, so yeah, the E3 coming up and everything, so that'll be that'll be cool. Um, are you going? Are you going in through? You're gonna? Are you gonna attend that? Or are you gonna go in through press? Or are you gonna go in through the new like uh, super fan uh, initiative? I didn't know there wasn't a super fan initiative, unless you're talking about the Bandai thing. No, um, no. Oh, at E3, no, it's a prosumers. There are really? consumers. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not joking. There are consumers, and then now they, they're opening up to prosumers. Oh, interesting. And I think that with an eye towards, like, people, like, what the weird thing is, is, is they talked about, like, streamers and stuff, but <laughs> I would consider, and streamers and YouTube people, but I would think that they'd be able to get into E3 anyway under kind of like a journalism yeah. banner since they'd be covering the thing. Hmm. hmm. So, so. Pro- prosumer, everybody has to have a Canon uh, Mark 5D or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the one way. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. got to be able to cover it somehow with a really yeah. nice 
really nice camera <laughs> but no nicer than that otherwise you have to go through the other channels yeah then you're, yeah, then you're right. actually a, a professional <laughs> yeah. it, it feels like a name they came up with on a first draft and then they were going to revisit it and never did yeah <laughs> like a placeholder name <laughs> like like prosumer is an un- insufferable thing in consumer electronics anyway so i, I yeah. like i like that they are uh they're labeling people as though they were mid-range cameras and microphones yeah. <laughs> um finally <laughs> but nothing wrong with that are you a, are you a fallout guy do you like uh i, am. Like I, love, series? I love i haven't played the first two but i love fallout 3 and what i played of new vegas mm. yeah i mean i'm really excited about that like it's it's my own it's my my like mistress series like <laughs> outside of souls like that's my that's yeah. my main game series so i'm really excited about that i know terramantis that's like he's huge huge fallout mm. I mean, like I played, I played the shit out of Fallout Three. I got every achievement. I played every side quest before I beat the game, and then I finally beat the game. I, I think I got every bobblehead. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was really into it. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. It's weird how like the Bethesda model that like I don't love in the Elder Scrolls universe, like I, <laughs> you know, those games always end up kind of feeling hollow after a little while. Like works for me really well in the Fallout universe. Like it's just think- a really interesting world. I liked Fallout 3 more than Skyrim, or I got more into it, but I yeah. don't know if that's just because I was a little younger and I had more time. But I also liked Oblivion more than Fallout 3. So, <laughs> so are, are their games just getting worse? Most people would say they're <laughs> yeah. getting better. I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think, well, I know why Oblivion and Skyrim is just because aesthetically I really like Force, and mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. that reason I preferred Sky, uh, Oblivion immediately. And then also I think the side quests were better, and I tend to be a completionist so mm-hmm. like all the guilds were better in oh yeah oblivion yeah, yeah. we, we did um, had a better overarching story so yeah the 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 uh the main quest in in elder scrolls games other than morrowind are not like the the draw no like we, no. we did morrowind for the show and 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 we were kind of lamenting the fact that the the side quest and guild stuff has never gotten better than oblivion um but it, most of the other stuff about oblivion doesn't quite work like that yeah. weird social mini game and um, and the Oblivion gates, which are just tedious and, mm-hmm. and awful. Yeah, I, I never even finished Oblivion. I finished all the side quests, but the main story, yeah. I just didn't care because I didn't want to do the Oblivion gates. Yeah. Uh, did you want to see Borom- Boromir kill a god for you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think that's why Fallout 3 was good, though, is because every area felt so unique that you would stumble upon. Mm-hmm. That's probably what stood out about that over, like, Skyrim and Oblivion is every area. Like, you find these random crazy people that's just completely different. Mm-hmm. Or the forest yeah. area where there's actually a forest, and it's like, wait, there's a forest. <laughs> if, uh, so. if, you, if you get a chance, like, if you, you know, and, and time is at a premium for everyone in the world, but, like, uh, if you bounce off of New Vegas, give it, a, give it a, another look. Yeah, Like, New Vegas is really good. I, I did enjoy what I played of it. It was just something where I was working at G4 at the time, and I just played it while I was working there, and then it was like time to move on to the next game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had like two or three days with it, and I was like, yeah. okay, I liked what I played, got to move on to the next thing, and that was about it. Yeah. You know, hmm. It is it's a high-quality experience. Yeah. On the level, uh, Dennis forced us to do a, uh, not forced, but initiated a fuck, Mary kill conversation. Between, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, well, it is a, a buy-renter skip between XCOM 2 uh Dark Souls three and uh, Fallout four, and my my buy was Fallout four actually, mm. and they 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 they, yeah. they they fucking they 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 did spit takes just because yeah. like oh don't you have the show? It's like well I'm assuming that my business doesn't depend on it. Like I really am looking forward to Fallout four. <laughs> were, were you were you saying like were you making the presumption 
that that was an illegally binding case of fuck Mary kill. <laughs> yep. Because most 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 games of fuck Mary kill are not legally binding, at least in this state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I think so they spy, were making. So spy rent skip, right? So which yeah. one was your rent? Uh, assuming... rent, rent rent was Dark Souls three. Yeah. Yeah, and then skip was XCOM because I haven't played uh, XCOM. So. Yeah, I've actually never played XCOM either. So. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'd go Fallout for Dark Souls three, honestly, because I kind of just want a new experience. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I'm I'm more looking forward to it and hoping there's new IPs at E three more than anything else. Yeah, me too. As well, much as I, I love the Souls <laughs> games and I love Fallout, I just want a new IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I and they'll you know there'll be some Nintendo stuff. Probably. I am, like, be I'm such stuff. a huge Nintendo fanboy, and I wish I could talk about it more on my channel, but I can't because fuck Nintendo. <laughs> oh, because the because yeah. they would send some suits yeah. after you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I love to talk about their games, but I'm afraid to. Mm. It's just like because I'm actually a huge Nintendo fanboy. Yeah. But oh well. Hmm. Like I, oh, I well. want to get Splatoon real bad, but I'm like I can't justify buying it at the moment because yeah. just as far as like business stuff goes, I'm like well that's just i can't spend that money right now because mm-hmm. i can't yeah. make videos on it yeah, and i can't i don't know about streaming it so I, mean, I guess i could stream it and get away with it but yeah then it becomes like a video yeah. on demand problem like what if they go after that all of a sudden it's for not and if that has an expiration date yeah like i can totally see where you're coming from yeah yeah that's okay i'm content to make videos about old nintendo games where they don't care <laughs> I mean, technically, like by Super Show series, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but technically, those are like very much legal, legal, legal. Everything mm-hmm. about it's legal because it's all review and parody. Yeah. So there's nothing. It's yeah. not a let's play. It's a very much a legal video. Yeah. I've seen all of them except for the most recent one, I think. Um, so I, I, I've seen. Uh, I have not seen the Chrono Trigger one. I think is the one I haven't watched yet. Uh, well, thanks for checking all the ones out. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they're I, all pretty I, long. I like them. So Thanks for I making them. It. Like, <laughs> yeah, the uh, no. I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't do it as a you know. I do it because I like it. So mm-hmm. thank yeah. you for making them. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really smart approach as opposed to a full on let's play. I mean, even just from a consumability standpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's it's closer to like it, it feels like um, it is just like a like an essay, you know. Like they're funny, but it also feels like more like an essay than a. Uh, like a straight up review because at a certain point, yeah. some of those old games, like it's hard to be objective and, and divorce yourself, you know, from them. You can just kind of yeah. talk about what you like about them, but it, it yeah, feels I mean, more like point. a just like, love letter kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a comedy retrospective of games I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, I'm obviously going to be biased towards things and I realize that. So it's just mm-hmm. might as well just have fun with it and talk about games. I enjoyed and lead people through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Mm-hmm.